You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number eight of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, and with me is Tim Takis. And today we're going to be talking about estate planning and blended families, because that's an easy topic, right, Tim? It is. What a what a good one. To get started with. Absolutely. Um, we have blended families. Everybody has blended families that they help take care of. About 50% of families now right. in America are blended fam- right. families. If, if, if we as lawyers, as a state, a state and elder law attorneys had to rely on non-blended families, we would like go out of business. Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be pretty pretty right. tough out because there. Because it's the, one of the challenges that we have every day. And every blended family does not blend well. They do not necessarily like and love each other. Lots do, right? but lots do not, not as yeah. well. Right. And so some of the challenges that we have in taking care of blended families as elder law attorneys, they come to us usually when they're thinking about somebody's getting older and sicker than somebody else. And how do we take care of them? Right. Exactly. Some of, some of the challenges you've seen over the years. Tell us about it. Oh, gosh. When I think about that is, is that you have maybe maybe there's a significant uh, difference in age. You have a very healthy one spouse and you maybe have a very unhealthy much older spouse, um, where now a the healthy younger spouse has to find themselves in a role that they really didn't think they were going to get into would be as a caregiver. Right. So when you're 38 and 50 right. as, as a younger couple life, and everybody everybody goes, this is wonderful. Life looks great because your children, chances are they're all grown, you know, and oh, mom and dad are doing great now and they found love and we love, you know, we love our stepfather and we love our stepmother and blah, blah, blah. But when we're 70 and 82, right. life is starting to look different. Because, it does. Because chances are very good. We're not at the same physical and health status any longer. So somebody's a caregiver for somebody else. Right. And maybe that was just more than what they, I mean, that could be true in any, any sure, doesn't matter what doesn't, the age. Yeah. You didn't have to be a blended family. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a significant age difference. Um, everybody's not cut out to be a caregiver. Right. And a lot of it has to do with expectations. I mean, you, like you said, is you're 50, you're 50 and 38 and you get married and you think life is going to be great the second or third time around because you don't, Everybody, at least in our experience, is is that aging for them is, you know, I'm going to be 90 years old and I'm going to ride off in a bicycle in the south, south of, of France. France. Yeah. I mean, because you think about, um, you know, and you've heard me say this many times, and I know others have too, is, is that um, the, the aging industry, meaning the financial services company and everything else, is they don't put aging, decrepit old people on the covers of their newsletters. Right. It's not quite a draw, is it? It really is not. When you're selling retirement, you're selling, okay, this is what you're saving your money up for. Not the trip, you know, not the, not the South of France trip. All right. Do I have a financial responsibility to take care of my spouse? Yes. Yes. And that's called what? 
that's called duty of support. Yeah, based on a doctrine of doctrine of necessities, necessity. right? So those are common law ideas for sure. attorneys to worry about. Some people, because of moral or ethical obligations, it never crosses their mind not to be responsible financially or otherwise for right. their spouse. But for some people, we get a lot of calls about folks that say. We do. Uh, I don't want to use my money to take care, pay for his or her nursing home bill. Right. And so we bring them in, we start planning. Mm-hmm. How do we use that? Um, and and how do we do that? Is it too late to do anything other than just pay for care? Well, certainly. Um, I mean, I guess the short answer is it's never too late. That's true. You know, it's never too late because what what is the what's the ultimate uh, re- remedy for that other than death, divorce? Oh, but that becomes hard too because sure. because then you've got someone that may be in a in a less economic or, or have have health needs, right. and then you're looking at alimony. Sure. So you're still paying for their care, but right. in a different way. Yeah. So that, yeah, that but, may not be a great answer. And it may not be a great answer, but the reason why I mentioned that is, is that when I grew up in elder law, starting in the early 90s, you know, there was this whole little, it was, I won't call it a cottage cottage industry, but there was a snow. But you just did. I did. <laughs> but there was this sort of notion of flying around among some of my really hardcore asset protection colleagues that, oh, well, we can get Medicaid divorces. Yeah. You know, so that, okay, this couple can still be like living together, but they don't have to. So the one spouse who's living at home doesn't have to be impoverished, uh, you know, so they can get a divorce and. You know, and everything will can go to the healthy spouse, and then we'll and we'll leave the, you know, the sick spouse, you know, in the nursing home and on Medicaid. Blah 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 blah. I mean, I I, I mean, literally, we don't hear that much anymore. But, so what are but I of, still hear that from time to time. So what from, are some of the aha thoughts? I wish I had done that ten years ago. You know, prevent ideas for prevention, like getting long term care insurance. Sure, there's that's an idea one. for prevention, right. right? Yeah, no, and and thinking about blended families. Okay, first of all is all right. Very first thing is is that whether you're 50 or 30 or age 38, whether you're whether you're getting married when you're in your 70s or whatever is is that you want to think about getting a prenuptial agreement. All right, and a prenuptial agreement essentially says uh, what's you know that you bring your bring whatever asset each spouse or spouse to be brings whatever assets that they have into the marriage. And the, the and it's thought out at that point uh, as to what are they going to do with their assets as they're living together. If one or if one of them gets sick, if both of them get sick, uh, what happens if uh, one dies? What happens to the assets? All the what ifs that lawyers, good lawyers, are supposed to be thinking about. So that's like that's like sort of rule number one for married, for people who are prospective couples to have a prenup and in the prenup where you obviously you have to do full disclosure about your assets. And so it's bringing the assets in and it's basically making this pledge to each other that I'm going to use my assets to take care of my healthcare needs. And I'm not going to give my assets away to my kids prematurely. Right. That's, those are two things that you're going to look at because, um, you know, and I and I've always thought about I've thought about this too. Is is that there are a lot of lawyers that can do that do domestic relations work, do divorces and whatnot and whatever it is, 
Um, there are a lot of general practice lawyers that could probably draft a prenuptial agreement. But I tend to think that it could be sort of, it can be somewhat of a specialization because now you're now you're you're talking about not just domestic relations, but you're also talking about aging. Right. Aging issues. You know, and, and in my experience, attorneys that they may be very good at domestic relations work, but they don't know anything about old people. Or, or old people issues. Old people issues, right. Yes. Like how so, care is going to be provided. So like you said is is that, all right, let, let's take the situation where you're you're not a blended family yet. Okay, so let's, let's sort of... So we're really backing up. Yes, which I think... Yeah, that's good. But, but the yeah. same principles, yeah. I think, can apply here because you can actually do a an anti-nuptial or a post-nuptial agreement as well. So let's say that you are, you know, you have a you have a person, you have two older people that are coming together late in life, and they want to get married or think they want to get married, you know, and then, needless to say, there's probably somebody going to be in the family that goes like a, a child or everything. Don't get married because your husband or your husband to be your wife to be may want will go into a nursing home, you know, and then you're going to be broke. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. There are advantages to being married. I mean, legal advantages to that. Okay. Uh, and, and we don't worry so much about spousal impoverishment because, and that's a lot of what we do is make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Right. All right. So we have a prenuptial. We're thinking about a prenuptial rule. Number one is, is that whenever, whoever's listening to this, and you may be listening in Tennessee or Arkansas or, or goodness knows where in Washington state is make sure that, you know, you go to a lawyer to talk about a prenuptial that you that the, that the lawyer knows what the state what state law is like you mentioned one of them is you have to do full full disclosure mm-hmm. we know that's the rule in Tennessee we assume it's the rule in every state right okay that right. sounds just I mean that's almost like you would think that's a given second is is that don't get don't do your prenuptial agreement three three days before you get married right. Assume duress. Yes, exactly. That's that's like well, somebody somebody forced somebody to do this. Right. All right. Uh, third is is to think about uh, the aging issues that we're talking about, and whether you're 38 or 50, or you know, or 80, you know, you know, 72 or 80 or whatever it is, you potentially have aging issues. Think about things like uh, can the can each spouse apply for, and can they get long term care insurance? I've written, I don't write prenuptial agreements anymore, but I have done probably two or three of them for older couples. And you know, each of them may be, maybe put in a provision in the agreement that says they are to apply for and try to get long-term care insurance. Yeah. And if they get long-term care insurance, the agreement says they have to keep it. Okay. Okay. You know, and you can even put in things like, okay, what are the consequences if one spouse decides not to pay for it you know that's just but that's that's getting into the weeds here so if they've got long-term care insurance they keep it or apply for it uh-huh. okay so they make a good faith effort to apply maybe look at something like life insurance the same way that they have to carry life insurance or something that, could that would be, be something it. with the surviving spouse as the beneficiary, beneficiary because that might be a way of reimbursing that spouse for supportive right. care mm-hmm if they were not financially equal. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Can okay, here's a question. Yes. Can you waive duty of support in a prenup? No. 
Yeah, we talked about that offline. We did. Yeah. We did. And and um, but it's an important point to bring out. You can't you can't waive that. Right. Right. Because we have people, I mean, you know, we have people coming in here all the time and say, well, my wife's in the nursing home. Do I have to pay for that? Yeah. And I say, yes. Right. Right. I mean, we assume she's not there for a vacation, you know, otherwise, you know, you're, you know, you're paying and it doesn't matter how much money she has or you have. I mean, your husband or wife has is that each spouse has a duty to support the other spouse. Period. That's the way it works in this state. Because now we have couple money. We have couple money. Once you're married, it, it, right. It, as far it certainly as far as Medicaid law in Tennessee is, they don't really care if it's in your name or my name. They care that it's couple money and right. whether it's countable money or right. not. Right. And that's that's Medicaid. Right. Right. And then from the matter of public policy, you know the what the way we govern our society is is that if you get you know if you're a married person. You have a duty of support to your spouse, right? Period. You know, and you can't waive that. You can't put in the, the agreement that says, you know, I, I, the, I don't want your money. You can't put that in there. But but there are but there are limitations there are. To, to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like housing, shelter, food, medical right. care. Mm-hmm. It's not QVC, right? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be your online shopping addiction. Exactly. I'm not necessarily support. right because those aren't supports. And and that's probably an unsecured creditor at that point. And mm-hmm. that's a whole different topic. Right, but, it is. Yeah. So what about right. finish up on the prenup? Because okay, there's, so, there's a couple more points I think do. you want to make. Yeah, sorry. So you want to make sure that you have like, like long term care insurance, disability insurance, perhaps uh, life insurance. Um, you mentioned it just a moment ago. Is is that uh, we had this case where a gentleman came in and he had been married and his wife was in a nursing home and he says, "My wife gave away all of her money several years ago to her children. Now what do I do?" And I say, "You have a duty of support. I'm yeah. sorry to tell you that." Yeah. So you put in your agreement that says no gifts without the consent of the other spouse. Right. Right. You know that way you you know it's hard to now. Use your spouse's money first. So let's say if the if the if the husband is in the nursing home and he's got money and you're the wife and you've got money, you know, he has to use his money first. Now that doesn't mitigate or, or eliminate the duty of support. You're just simply saying is is that both of us agree that we're gonna spend our separate money first. And the potential conflict with that in a blended family is, is the children of the institutional or sick spouse where we're using that person's money mm-hmm. first is now going to say, mean old stepmom spent all of daddy's money taking care of, you know, uh, yes, yes, it was taking care of daddy. Uh-huh. And, and now they want some of her money. Right. To, and it's kind of exactly. like, you're really not guaranteed an inheritance. Yes. That's what people, people seem to forget. You're not guaranteed an inheritance because- yes. People are entitled to use their money in their lifetime, any really mm-hmm. in any way they see fit. Sure. But mm-hmm. obviously, if it, we're talking about care, right. that's a, that's essential, right? And we hear that all the time: is is that well, my daddy would have wanted to make sure that you know we got the house. It's like no, mama's not done with it yet. Yeah, stepmama's not done with it in this yeah. case, perhaps. Right, exactly. Is mm-hmm. not done with it. Mm-hmm. So here's another thing that you need to think mm-hmm. about. And it, maybe it's in a prenup, maybe it's just in other estate planning documents is the best place for it really to live, is you can assume that while, you know, while both the new husband and wife are, are alive and well and married, they're all saying, oh, yeah, we're going to give everything to our all children in equal shares. Whatever's left when we when we all both are dead, right. it goes to all children in equal shares. Right. And that's really very rarely what happens. Right. It's usually the surviving spouse then has complete right dominion control 
over assets and can change beneficiary designations and rewrite their will or trust. Yes. So you have to take definitive plans, steps to protect children in a blended family right. for potential future inheritance. Right. If the wife if the if the wife dies first and she has children, then it's in, if she wants to make sure that her children get something, she has to she has to leave something to them. Yes. You know, in her estate plan. Now she can't, you know, and we get this all the time as well. I'll I'll do the right I'll, thing. I'll I'll give it to my <laughs> husband because I know he will do the right thing. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Right up until yeah. he meets the new Mrs. Wright and now she, now she's got everything. <laughs> well, well, that's one. I mean, certainly that's one. I'm sure that people have that fear that yeah. the person will come in, but it's, but it's equally likely that, okay, the the husband say he never remarries, but at some point his children go, you know, Daddy, I need this money. I yeah. need this money, right. particularly if there's a real discrepancy. You know, why? You know, you have it. I mean, because we all know. I mean, at least those of us that do this kind of work is. Elder financial abuse and exploitation is primarily the the, the perpetrators are pi- primarily that are family members, people that the that the elder knows. I mean, that's how it happens. Yes, but um, my yeah. mind drifted back to prenups again. Okay, what, what's the one last thing that I think we need to say about prenuptials, especially in our state, is that. Mm, the state of Tennessee, in far in, in terms of ten care, mm-hmm. they give no credence to prenuptials. No, they yeah. couldn't care less it, about it's, that. It's not an asset protection device for yeah. third parties. Not literally. For, yes. Okay. Essentially, there you go. what it is. That's exactly what people right. need to know. Yes, because yeah. if your if your spouse goes out there and incurs a large debt, mm-hmm. you know, then you're likely going to be you know you're going to you're going to be responsible for it. Yeah. So it, it's really just a contract between those two people. Right. And it does not really apply yes. to, to the wide world. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not a creditor protection right. tool. And probably one last thing to mention about that is is that it says usually it's a, a prenuptial agreement says these are the husband's assets, these are the wife's assets, or spouse one, spouse two. Right. But nothing prevents them from commingling. Certainly. Or you know, they, so they, they can could do be it married deli- 20, 30 years and accumulate new assets together. So. Right, exactly. So, 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 you know, you want to, but what you want to do is you want to avoid uh, unintentional commingling because as soon as you add your spouse to your assets, you know, then it becomes a joint asset in a sense. Yes. So be careful about that. And that's where you should get counsel and make sure that your lawyer, whoever is drafting your agreement, you know, advises you very clearly as to what you're continuing. If you want to, if you want to keep this going, then you need to do these things. So let's think about the prenuptial agreement and the relationship on a testamentary instrument. Okay. So you can waive inheritance. Sure. So if we have a prenuptial agreement that says, I don't expect to inherit any money from you, mm-hmm. then that means you can leave all your money to your children at your death and not include me in your will. That's but right. It, it also means you can change your mind and leave something. To, you can. It doesn't prevent uh, that at all. It doesn't prevent that. But that's the only time that you can really disinherit a spouse. That's right. Uh, exactly. Where the spouse consents. Yes. And they either consent in a prenuptial agreement or maybe they consent in a postnuptial agreement, which we, that's for another podcast, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Uh, or the spouse consents, let's say at, 
at, after death. Okay, so husband dies and be, you know and and disinherits the wife. Mm-hmm. The wife could say that's fine. Yeah, but that's at her election. Yes, she she yes. has to elect at that time. She has capacity to mm-hmm. consent. Right. If she can, if she can consent at that time, or he has capacity he can, to yeah. consent. The question, though, is is that what we know is is that if that spouse may need or is needing long term care, a a consent to elect. If you wait, if you if you choose not to elect, it's considered a transfer of assets. That's also a. That's a sticky wicket. It is a sticky wicket. So Uh, this really sort of the beauty of elder law. What makes elder law so intriguing is it's not just the estate planning and the family relation. It's also the the overlay of government benefits benefits. and and how government benefits could right because they're uh, they're, the legal implications are interesting because they're they're more than just you know well I don't get it or my family doesn't get it but it could be have some other consequences elsewhere. Because that's another thing that we hear often is that people come in and go, well, I'm just not, I, I'm not going to provide for my spouse in my will. Mm-hmm. It's all going to go to the children. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that may or may not work really. Right. It could cause more problems than what you bargained for. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else we want to talk about this or are we ready to? Oh man, I think we're good. All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for today's episode. Um, I've enjoyed talking with Tim and I hope you, you guys come back for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.